I'm Ben Pugh, and you're listening to Impact, Parenting with Perspective, episode number 115. This podcast is all about helping parents manage the mental and emotional drama that comes with parenting teens, so they can focus on what's most important, building rock-solid relationships and having a powerful impact on their teen's life. Join me each week as I dive into real tools to help you and your team turn struggles into strengths. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you guys for being on this journey with me. Um, those of you who your kids have gone back to school, isn't it great? I, <laughs> my kids aren't even back to school yet. I'm recording this a few weeks early, but when this comes out, will be the first week that my kids will be back to school. And Actually, I'll be in California speaking at a school that week. So as you're listening to this, guys, I'm in California speaking to a group of middle school kids. Anyways, welcome back to the podcast. Today is our lucky day. We have one of my favorite coaches. She works with us here at Firmly Founded. We have Nicole Rasmussen, and we are going to talk about relationships. Is that officially what we're going to talk about, Nicole? It is now, right? Okay. Yes. And can I just be honest with you? The first time, so Joey brought you into the business. He kept talking about you as Nicole Rasmussen. (laughs) And I cannot read, like, first I read Nicole Rasmussen, then I autocorrect my brain to Rasmussen, but just... You can call me Razzy, because we love the jazz, and people can't say Rasmussen, so call me Razzy. Oh, so what do you think about the Gobert trade? Okay, guys, this might be a few weeks <laughs> late. Like, there's talk of trading Donovan Mitchell. I don't think anyone in Utah really wants to. What's no your take way. on that? We love Mitchell. Yes, let's keep Mitchell. Yes. Let's build our program around Mitchell, guys. Come on. Do it. All right. You guys didn't we come digress. For, for jazz talk, but anyways. Okay, Nicole. Recently, you have been having your mind blown in this program you're taking about relationships. If you were to just tell us like the number one most powerful thing that you've learned so far, you can't do your top 10, sorry, or your top three, just your number one, what would that be? Okay. So first of all, I need to give a shout out to Amy Gianni. She's doing a relationship coaching mastery class that I'm taking. And if you're out there and you're a coach, look into it because she's amazing. She's a marriage and family therapist. One thing about relationships, I, it's simple. Relationships matter. Yes. That's it, right? Awesome. We live in a world today that is so like, you do you. Very individualistic. And study after study after study shows that the happiest people on earth are those who have connected, thriving, happy relationships. Okay. Relationships matter, which I would say the world sometimes kind of says, hey, relationships don't matter. Like, worry about you. Worry about number one. Sometimes, like, I teach you have to take care of number one. Like you have to, it's like the air mask, oxygen mask on an airplane. Like when that drops down, you have to take care of you so that you can be in a good relationship. But 
this all gets so lost and confused. And sometimes we don't realize, no, relationships do matter. And we see it matter. Like people, that's one of the greatest, I can't remember. Someone once told me like the three number one things that people will pay money for is like health, wealth, and relationships. I think if you can promise to improve those three things, it that's. I disagree. Dark chocolate has to be on there. Well, that has to do with all three of them, health, <laughs> wealth, and relationships. Okay, good. Um, no, there was a study done, and I, where did I write about this? It was so interesting. Um, it was a Harvard study, and the best predictor of your health was the quality of your relationship. Okay. More than any other factor was the quality of your relationships. Even more than dark chocolate. That more than dark chocolate, massive. unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, interesting. I could like, that makes sense to me because without your relationship, I, what do you have? I, everyone, I can't remember where I heard this, but they said like everyone lives for other people. Like human beings are just hardwired that way. We have to build our circle. We have to have our community. And they think one of the problems today is that, we aren't doing that anymore. Like the time where people would lay down their lives for other people that they cared about. Um, I have a not so popular opinion. I think as a society, kind of as a world, we are weak. We have enjoyed like the greatest abundance the world has ever seen. I know there's, wars and rumors of wars, but I haven't been in a war. Like most people we know haven't been in a war. Like there's a few, but you look at times when our nation has really grown and progressed. It is off the back of like this big conflict where the whole nation has really struggled like world war one and world war two. And I think we have an opportunity right now coming off of COVID to really take stock of what's going on in our life and really embrace our struggles and grow. And I feel like relationships make that. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for more powerful. Like we grow together. That's what, when I was a principal, I remember there was one point, like I didn't want tragedy to happen at my school, but I remember thinking, man, we need something to pull us together. And my first year as principal, I lost a student to suicide and it shook our school. It shook the community. It shook me as a person. And I look back and like, I would never want that to happen again. Like it was terrible, but the growth that happened afterwards and the community, the coming together was so powerful. I think that's a good point because it's the connection, right? I think we need to pause and define two words. At least for me, this helps. One is when we say relationships matter, what does relationship mean? And I really like this definition. The way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected or the state of being connected. So what is connection? And I think Brene Brown gives an awesome definition that I love. So I'm going to just read what she says. The energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. 
when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. And I think that's what you're talking about, right? Is like, we live in a world of abundance and so much around us, but we're not connecting because we're so focused on hear me. I want to take my stand, understand my viewpoint instead of like, I see you, I hear you. I want to connect with you. Two totally different stances. I love that. Will you screenshot those or take a picture or something and send those to me? That way I can make sure and get them in the show notes. For sure. Um, Another thing that I think is undervalued when it comes to relationships, I believe that commitment and being committed is something that has been lost in a lot of relationships. And this is something I've talked about recently. And some people are like, yeah, but we don't want to be committed to someone that doesn't share our values or doesn't. The thing that I like to think about when it comes to commitment that is a personal individual choice on your part. And you can be committed to the person. You can be committed to how you want to be in that relationship. You can be committed to what you want your relationship to look like. But I feel like one of the things that is really hurting relationships nowadays is a lack of commitment. We're not committed to the other person. We're not committed to ourselves. We're not committed to the relationship. And I feel like that's part of the reason relationships are struggling right now so much. What would you think? What do you say about that? Yeah, I never thought of it in that way. And I think it makes sense if that lack of commitment is coming from some emotion, right? That's, that's detaching us. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot of loneliness in the world. Um, and we're, when we're in a place where we're kind of, um, spiraling in that place and we're not we're not like standing up and self-confronting with ourselves as to like what's my place in this relationship what have I contributed contributed to the relationship where am I not contributing then Yeah. yeah I think commitment can be a big a big issue and I feel like commitment is kind of a choice like you have to choose to be committed and it's hard like I'm working on being healthier, losing weight. And one of the things that I do is I play basketball at 5.30 in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Anyone who lives in Roosevelt, Utah, hit me up to come play basketball with us. We're not great. We're a bunch of washed up old dudes and a few teenagers. But the thing is, some days I'm committed. And the other day, I was just kind of being a dork. And we have this old Facebook group. And everyone's like, okay, who's going to be there on Wednesday? And I was like, I'm going to be there, but guys, I'm going to quit taking it easy on you. I'm going to bring my A game. And that kind of people were razzing me, giving me a hard time. But what I did was I upped my level of commitment. And that morning I ran and my team, we won like five games straight in the morning until I ran out of gas. And then I was like, you know what? I've served my purpose. Like I am here to run. I talked a little bit of smack. So I'm going to run even when I'm tired, like I'm committed to being this way. And once I had achieved my purpose, I I know my limits. And I'm like, man, if I keep going, I'm going to hurt myself or someone else. And I'm going to shift my commitment. I think oftentimes in relationships, we don't explore the question, what am I committed to? 
And if you don't explore that question, you're going to be committed, but it's not going to be intentionally. And you might be committed to being right or to looking good or something that doesn't actually strengthen the relationship. Like that's one with my teenager. Sometimes I'm committed to being right. And then we just butt heads and we argue. And I realize, wait a second, I would much rather be committed to him. Like, how can I show him that I'm committed to him, that I'm committed to being the best dad that I can be, that I'm committed to having this relationship that's open and transparent. Because in that example you just gave, you transferred the conversation and the thoughts and the behavior from acting independently to relationally right? Yes. Ooh, how are that... we in connection with each other? How do, how does my behavior and the things I do affect him and vice versa? Yeah. And I think as parents, can I share a little, um, uh, recipe that Amy taught us at this, this thing that yes. I have used a lot. I love it. It's super simple. And I think your parents can take these three words and apply that to themselves and their relationships. And it's no love grow. So we have to know our part in the relationship. We have to confront ourselves and ask ourselves some tough questions like, how am I showing up in this relationship? Is it the way I want to show up? How am I contributing to any problems or difficulties we're having this in this relationship? Um, am I willing to show up in the best way I know how, no matter what my team is doing in this relationship? I'm, re- I'm, applying this to the parent-teen relationship, but we can use it in any relationship. Um, Am I open to input from my teenager? That's a tough one, right? For some of us parents to be open to input from from our teenagers. And this one, especially, what is it like to be the son or daughter of you? Ouch. That's a good one. Sometimes like that no stage is so important to understand where I am at in the relationship right now with my teenager. What things... Am I contributing to where am I committed? Where am I showing up and where am I not really, really being honest and integrity with ourselves um, is that first stage. And we can apply that to our teenagers as well, like really getting to know them and where they're at and what they're struggling with and what their strengths are and their weaknesses. And that no stage can be so eye opening if we really slow it down and take the time. Um, and we can go back and talk about these in depth if you want to. You can ask me anything. Ben, the next step is the love stage. We have to really learn to love ourselves as the parent we are today, exactly as we are doing the things that we're doing, and learn to love our teenagers as they are. Sometimes we get that confused with no boundaries and no expectations. That's not what I'm talking about. We definitely can have boundaries and expectations of our teenagers. But learning to love the the child sitting right in front of us and learning to love us as the parent who sometimes messes up or the parent who sometimes yells and loses it, loving that person. Yeah. Because from that place, the relationship can then grow. That's where relationships go deeper. When we really allow ourselves to open up and to be vulnerable and as Brene Brown says, to be seen and to see, to know and to be known. Um, that's the place we grow the relationship in a really healthy way that is more interdependent and not toxic on the one end because we're so enmeshed in each other and in each other's like validation from each other. 
And it's not so toxic on the other end where we become so independent from the relationship that we're living parallel lives from each other. But we now come back together and we both have this collaborative relational conversation. I just love that three step, like know, love, grow. It was so good for me to just see it in those three simple steps and apply it to me as the mom and to our relationship to my teenager. Yeah. Um, this is funny. So you and I talked a little bit about this beforehand, but in a few episodes ago, episode number 109, I just realized I put the completely wrong um, artwork in this, but I used my three pillars, which I know, Amy, I, I've run into her a handful of times. Like We know who each other are, but I've never worked with her. I've never talked to her about relationships or anything. And in episode 109, um, the episode is A Thriving Family Starts with a Thriving You. And I talked about, number one, identity. Who do you want to be? Get to know that. Like, Be aware of what's going on. That's a lot of that knowing. And then the connection part, that's being connected with you and being connected with others. And that's that relationship or that love component. And then the last one is growth. Like, Same thing. Like, It's amazing that we're coming on the same stuff kind of at the same time. Guys, this will completely transform your relationship. And one of the problems that I see in relationships is when people don't really know who they are or who they want to be. And they're not willing to see the other person as they are. Instead, they see them as not being who they think they should be. And the last part, the growth component, they don't think they need to grow. They try and get the other person to grow and to change. And a lot of times when you can correct those three little things, it will completely change your relationship. And I think one of the problems is that we have this idea, like I can't tell you how many times in my office I'd have like teenage girls. They'd be like, no, that girl talked bad about me. Like I will never be friend. I will never trust her. Like they just hold this grudge forever. And we get this idea that we think relationships are impossible to change. And you have people that have grudges for years uh, me and my third brother, wait, he's number three in the family. So my second brother, we did not get along from like, I don't know, when we were super young, even as grown men, like we're both married and we got in a fight one day over a $20 tarp that I had loaned him and he ripped it to shreds. And we're like grown men about to get into a fist fight. And I remember we just hated each other. And one day, my dad needed firewood chopped, and we're up in the mountains, and one of my pet peeves is people who are lazy and take advantage of my hard work. And so we're sitting there working, and my brother was working every bit as hard as me, and I was like, oh my goodness, that dude is a hard worker. Not all of my brothers are hard workers. And this one, I was like, like, you just I was, outed your brothers on a podcast. I know. They don't listen anyway. So like, they never listen. I'm the oldest. They never listen to me when we we're kids. They're not going to start <laughs> now. <laughs> but I remember in that moment, my frustration, my dislike, all of that changed. And I was able to appreciate one thing. I was able to see my brother in that moment 
for who he was and not get hung up on who I thought he should have been or who I thought like it was a powerful moment that changed everything. And I remember like we did that on like a Saturday and I remember being at church on Sunday and like the state president, or I think he was a bishop at the time, like just calls me out of the audience and is like, Ben, we want to hear your testimony. Come up and share. And I was like, uh, so yesterday I hated my brother and then we worked together and now I love my brother and I'm sitting there crying. Relationships can change <laughs> like that. And all of a sudden we were best friends. And I look back, I am so grateful on that transformation in our relationship because he died a few years after that. He died when my oldest was, gosh, probably two or three. And our last conversation was kind of an argument. We had eaten at this fancy restaurant and he had leftovers. He's like, hey, I want you to take my leftovers home. I'm like, no, you paid for them. It's expensive. You take it home. He's like, no, you really enjoyed it. I want you to have it. And we just argued for a minute and I lost the argument and I went home with the leftovers. And that was our last conversation. And I just love that we have the power to change relationships and you'll never regret having a good relationship. Sorry. I just talked a long time. Oh, I love, no, that's awesome. I love, I love brother stories, especially brothers that get emotional. Um, and it's because it makes me think, cause you saw him differently, right? He yeah. felt seen and heard and valued. And interestingly enough in that definition, it doesn't say that they, we need to see here and agree with, yeah. right? We may not agree with the things that the people around us believe or say or do, but we can see them, hear them, value them without judgment and still show up the way we want to show up. Right. And that is a big, big difference than like um, falling backwards or bending forward. Like that's another analogy Amy used that I've, I've used a lot lately. Like we want to stand on our own two feet and be the parent and have opinions and have values and have systems and boundaries and expectations. But we also want to like create an environment in our home where everyone else around us can do that for themselves also. So then all of us healthy standing people can come together and collaborate together in a relational way, rather than a one up, one down. I'm the parent, you're the child, you'll do what I say. Like that never creates an environment of collaboration. It's, it's, it's a lot more tense. Yeah. That makes sense. Let me run an idea by you. And I just want to hear what you think. I think like you talked about like seeing someone for who they are and doesn't mean you agree on everything with them. I believe that every, any person in the world, every every, I don't know, I'm completely losing my thoughts. Everyone agrees and disagrees on the same number of things. Like it's that 50, 50 concept, right? You and I, we're both BYU fans. We both love the jazz, but there's other things that we disagree on. We just don't probably know quite as many. And then you might think of like Donald Trump comes to mind or like Putin over in Russia. Like we might think, oh, I agree with absolutely nothing of them. But I believe that we all share about the half of our values and are completely opposite on the other half of our values. Like it's just the balance of the universe. 
The problem is the people that we disagree with, we hyper-focus on the things that we don't have in common. And we completely ignore the few things that we do have in common. And then the people that we love. So my wife is the person that I love the most in the world. Nicole can vouch for Deb. She's freaking fantastic. She rocks. Yes, yeah, she does. She is the wizard behind the curtain. That is true. She is complete. I've said it before. She is the brains of this operation. I'm the face. Seriously, we could have picked a better looking face, but whatever. <laughs> the thing is, I love Deb. We watch football together. We watch musicals and plays together. We love chick flicks. Like we have all of these things in common, but there's so many things that we don't agree on. I just spend more time focusing on the things that I love about her and that I do agree with than I do on the things that I don't. And I think our relationship with any other human has that same option. There are things that you have in common with that person that you hate. And the person that you love the most, there are things that they believe that you are completely in disagreement with. Like You believe the complete opposite. Now, the power comes in with you knowing who do you want to be in that relationship and how can you let the other person be them and love them no matter what. And then just grow. Like You do your work and let them do theirs or not. Who cares? You just do you. And that is where we can start having these powerful relationships. And I don't know, what are your thoughts on that idea? Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. Um, because I think sometimes what people do hear, do hear from us, H-E-A-R, here, is if I'm focused on what I can control and what I can't, then I don't care about that other person in my relationship. Do I believe that we can create other people's um, feelings and emotions? No. Do I think we can influence? 100%. Yeah. And that's the part we miss, right? In a relationship, we definitely have influence. And so I want to show up in the best way I can to influence that relationship. And somebody taught me a brain hack that goes along with your story just there. Um, let's say me and my teenager have very differing views on something. Let's, what's something that's a hot topic? Cell phone use. I was going to say right? modesty. That's one I've been coaching on a lot lately. But yeah, cell phone or modesty, both. Okay. Their cell phone doesn't even fit in their pockets of their shorts because their shorts are <laughs> so short. Okay, we got both. <laughs> Don't open up the modesty one with me because I we may disagree on some things, Ben. Maybe that will be a whole nother podcast. Okay, cell phone use. Let's say I think my teenager should turn it off at 10 p.m. And my teenager thinks, no, I should have it till curfew, till midnight or till I go to bed or whatever. We disagree on something. A little brain hack somebody taught me. I wish I remembered who so I could give them credit. But it was like, to do what you just said, to find the, the places that we agree, I always add the two words in front of it. Like you, before I think the thought. So like you, I also have opinions about cell phone usage. Yeah. Or like you, cell phones can be like you think cell phones can be helpful or harmful depending on whatever. Right. But I always add those two first words like you, because what that does is it puts us both on the same side of the table. Sometimes in our relationships, it's me against you. And we're metaphorically sitting on either side of the table and we're just battling it out and, go, and holding our ground and pleading our cause. 
And that's what causes that individuality relationship stuff. But if we can start with like you, this was really important to me too. That is like, I'm going to come around and sit next to you on your side of the table. And instead of this being a thing between us, against us, we're going to both sit on the same side of the table and we're going to look at cell phones together. And I have opinions and you have opinions and we're going to share them. We're going to hear each other, see each other, value each other, and we're going to collaborate and together find something that works for both of us. Yeah. This totally applies to modesty. Like you, I have opinions on modesty. Like I don't really care that much about modesty, but that's one that I've been coaching moms on a lot. My teenage daughter just doesn't care. And it's such a powerful place to be like, hey, like you, this is important to me. The only difference is my value is like keeping you covered and safe in their mind. And the teenage daughter, their value is, no, I want to look good. It's warm out. I want to show off this body. Let's go. And when you can realize, oh, like you, I have opinions on this. Like you, I have values here. Now let's discuss, like, what do we have in common? And gosh, sometimes we could get in a whole other thing. I have another call I have to be on in four minutes, but just real quickly, just when you find yourself in that relationship conflict or that disagreement, that's one of those things that I feel like it's important to go back to what are you committed to? Are you more committed to the relationship or are you more committed to your personal values? And I can tell you, yes, or being right. And I can tell you like your values are great for you, but there's no hierarchy of values. Like your Nicole's values aren't better than mine. Mine aren't better than hers. Yours aren't better than ours. The thing is, if you're committed to your values more than you're committed to the other person, there's going to be a strain on that relationship. And you can totally be committed to your values. Like I have certain values. Like I, I don't know. I, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. Like I'm committed to those values, but guess what, Nicole, if you go drink and do drugs, I'm more committed to my relationship with you than I am my interpretation of how well you uphold these values. I know you do your values. Like if you ever offer me any, guess what? My value of not doing weed is higher than my value of our relationship. Like I'll say no. And if that hurts your feelings, I'm sorry. But that's typically not the argument. The argument is typically, I want you to do this. And if you don't, then I'll be upset. And when we can realize, oh, I'm being more committed to my values or my opinion or being right than I am this relationship, we can now shift our attention and be committed to that relationship. Yeah. And I feel like that just opened up a whole new thing. So part two of this podcast needs to be that love segment, because I feel like as parents, um, loving our child sometimes means doing something or upholding a boundary or an expectation that is going to be uncomfortable and painful, but it's from love. So that no love grow piece is so essential for the relationship because it's knowing me and taking time to know my teenager doing what's best for what's the most loving to me and what feels like love to them. And then let's grow together. Okay. Nicole, I think we should seriously do a part two. Do you want to do guys? Yes. Stay tuned. (laughs) Okay. Let's do a part two. Let's seriously do that. I have to go in like two minutes guys. I just want to plug Nicole. She is a fantastic coach. She has her own coaching business 
that is not through Firmly Founded. Plus, she is one of our coaches at Firmly Founded, and she specializes in working with parents. I love Nicole. She is a phenomenal coach. If you want help, if you want help from Nicole, join our Firmly Founded membership and sign up for our one-on-one coaching things and go hire Nicole to be your coach. Anything you want to add in like 20 seconds or less. That's it. Let's let's go out this week and do what we can to improve one relationship in our life. Let's focus on knowing, loving, and growing that relationship and thinking about it relationally and your part in it. And if anyone wants to reach out to me personally, they can also find me at Life Coach Nicole on Instagram. Awesome. Really cool. I got to go, but listeners, stay tuned. Like, we're serious about this, right? Don't be pulling totally. that. Out. Okay, we're doing a part two. It'll be probably the next episode that you hear, but we'll see. Okay. Thank you guys for listening. I look forward to seeing you inside the membership, firmlyfounded.com. You can learn more there, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Impact Parenting with Perspective. If you found any of this helpful and would like to get some one-on-one help with parenting your team, head over to firmlyfounded.com slash parent and learn more about our parenting membership today. See you guys inside.